Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Q&A Quest. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me, as always... David McBurney, Family Master, lobbying for episode 64 to involve the Nintendo 64 somehow. That's gonna happen. <laughs> and also... Calling in from Japan, Michael Baker, a.k.a. Gaijin Monogatari. Alright. Vita! Vita! The prophesized Vita episode. <laughs> uh, if, we're, if we ever do like a total Vita episode, we're gonna have to get Mr. Cunningham on here. Oh man, yes, he is all about. Gonna, I'll have games. to. I'll have to disappear. That's just gonna be a Council of Mikes episode. <laughs> Council of Mikes. <laughs> and we need to get Jims and hey, why not get Fire Mist back in to do some stuff? <laughs> I mean, that'll be five mics right oh, there. Oh my god. Five mics, five microphones, this is going terrible. Yeah. Five mics on five mics, yes. And then we need someone else to ask questions so they can be like, hey, Mike, and then... No, there uh, is, never be there more is, specific. There's a good reason why I only refer to you as wheels and I refer to Minky as Jooms. Uh, that's true. <laughs> the because... only way to avoid confusion yeah. on such a mic-heavy staff. Yeah. Uh, so, we missed a few questions last time, but I'm going to jump into the newer questions first, because they're fresh and new and interesting. Do you think these things go bad or something? They do. I was going to say, I think some of them were actually repeated from last week, but... Okay. It's possible. We'll find out. Oh yes, I think one is, but anyway. If you could theoretically have any complete collection of a game series... I don't really think this is just the... this his He posted the... Reposted the questions we didn't answer. Yes, he did, actually. Budai. The three questions... I don't, I don't blame him. At least he didn't yeah. call us out on it. He wasn't like, hey, you didn't read these questions. It's like, hey, here's some fresh new questions. Gently used questions. <laughs> yes, gently used questions. Well, uh... Yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, so. if you could theoretically have any complete collection of a game series for the PS4 or Switch, which would you take? Funny you should ask, because the one I would take already exists on the Switch. The uh, uh, second Densetsu trilogy? Cor- correct. That needs Legend of Mana, and then I'll sign. <laughs> well, that one's a bit harder, because that was originally a PlayStation game, and mm. licensing may be different for it. No. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if I can dream, I'm going to dream. Well, yeah. But um, I was I'm thinking Squaresoft already started off with the Seiken and Setsu games, so what I would like for the Switch is their uh, rarer titles, some uh, rare squarities, if you would. Um, <laughs> so Treasure of the Rudras, <laughs> Live Alive, Bahamut Lagoon, um, Treasure Hunter G. Put all of those in one collection and sell it. All those yeah. PS1 games, not PS1 games, SNES games that never had a real follow-up. Yes. I mean, some of them, I mean, I played all four, they're really good, 
uh, Treasure of the Rudras would be ridiculously, hellishly difficult to properly localize <laughs> due to its magic system, but um, some of the others would have been great. I mean, Treasure Hunter G was like literally, almost literally the last RPG produced for the Super Famicom, and it had so many odd oddities with its chipset that it was pretty much running like better than 32-bit graphics. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, the two main characters, their character sprites got recycled as red and blue for um, for Saga Frontier. Sold. Yes. Their their designs at least got recycled. Yeah. Hmm. So, which is always fun because, like, looking at Saga Frontier characters and then looking at their uh, official art is always an exercise, and you don't look a thing like you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but when has that... I mean, when did that stop being true? Uh, It was basically around the PS1 era when they started using, like... That's part of the reason I had been given to understand for why they didn't have Amano on as much is because, like, his designs were more complicated, so they swapped to less complicated designs. So pretty much about the time when their 3D graphics capacity was able to actually mimic an actual art style. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say Final Fantasy VIII onwards. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, Wheels, did you ever try any of those four games, like emulation or anything? I believe I tried Treasures. I just, I have, like, no memory of it, so. There's two different Treasures you could be referring to. Treasures of... Rudra. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I didn't actually manage to finish it. I don't believe there was a... there was a translation available on emulation when when I was playing it, and my Japanese not that good. I mean, this was 17 years ago, mm. and I do remember accidentally sparking a 35-page discussion on GameFAQs by <laughs> uh, asking why I got a particular effect I did with a spell <laughs> because I just I did something really weird with the spelling, and it turned into a very long, complicated. Technical discussion that I really cannot follow. But well, just to let everybody at the audience know, um, Treasure of the Rudras was unique. We're talking um, we'll talk about gimmicks here. Uh, it was really unique in that it had what was effectively a speak and spell magic system. Hmm. You spell out the word, whatever word you want in Atakana, and it will make a spell for you. And the different possible combinations and permutations of kana symbols will completely change how the spell works. <laughs> so it's possible to get basic fireball spell, then add one syllable to the end and make it a hit-all spell or a powered-up version of the same spell. Interesting. Yeah. Which is why I said it would be absolutely hellacious to actually localize. Yeah, I think there is an existing fan translation. I have not played it, but feel like I should just to see what they did, if anything, yeah. to try to make that work. Yeah, I've always been curious, but they, um, the translation was finished several years after I stopped bothering the emulation at all. Yeah. And I just, I, yeah. The, the tragic thing is that, like, this, this hypothetical collection would be even more unlikely to come out in the U.S. than the Mana collection, just because it's like, mm-hmm. oh... None of these have official localization. Most of them have fan translations, but none of them have official ones. On the on the opposite 
side of the argument, Square also does not really have that much to invest in development for them because they're already developed and paid huh. off decades ago. So their overhead is not that much. They can afford to actually put a little bit more into translation work, and then they, they can still market it as completely new to you guys. Yeah. Plus, I do love some. I do love what I played of Live Alive, which is a crazy game. <laughs> yeah, Live Alive. That's five games in one. That yeah. game. That's a rest, That's an RPG with a wrestling chapter. It was made for me. Yeah, it was at least five games in one. Uh, I need like, this game. Yeah, it had five. Uh, how many different scenarios did it have? There was the. There's there caveman, was, ninja. Caveman, ninja, kung fu, cowboy, wrestling, Akira style, near future dystopia and the one that was night chapter the night chapter and there was one that was effectively somebody's parody of the movie alien (laughs) yeah it's it's a nuts like nothing is out of the question to put into this game feels like what the thought process was for the scenario well it there's actually connections in here because the villain in every single episode is somehow or some um, avatar permutation or reincarnation of this evil spirit that is the final boss. Yeah, like they always, a lot of times they find like clever, weird things to do with his name at least in the fan translation, I presume in the original. Oh, almost certainly yes. But yeah, it's it's a really neat game that it's kind of sad, never even seems to have had a chance of coming out in English. Yeah. And then Bahamut Lagoon is actually a, a pretty good tactical RP, or strategy RPG. Yeah, I've known fans of that. It looks yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. I believe on the Arcade Gamer <laughs> site, it's actually one of the few games that has a full FAQ on it. Because wow. somebody made it and put it on there before the web, before our site stopped doing FAQs. <laughs> so this had to be gonna... 1998 or so. I think, uh, oh, what was it? I think there was a, back when, I think it was Blood of Bahamut or something came out on DS. People were confused as to whether that was supposed to be some sort of spiritual follow-up. I don't know that it was or not. Absolutely nothing like it. Um, I've not played Blood of Bahamut. I probably could. It's cost me about three bucks downtown. But um, (laughs) I I have got enough on the backlog as it is since I'm still um, considering adding more Vita games. Um, Eventually I will just break down and buy it and see what it's like, but I'm fairly certain it has nothing to do with Bahamut Lagoon. Yeah, I think it was just one of those things where they like announced that they were releasing something called Blood of Bahamut, and people spent a while trying to puzzle out whether that was supposed to be a new IP or not. Looking it up, it's supposedly an action RPG, so probably not yes. even kind of related. <laughs> yep. It's about as closely related to Bahamut Lagoon as Bahamut Lagoon is related to Racing Lagoon. <laughs> oh man, Square's, uh, Which Square's ideas did... about driving games. Which I did try once, however, I completely suck at driving games, so I could not get past the intro sequence. So Square I just sold that one back as a bad, um, just as a bad idea. It was the PS1 driving RPG, was it? Yes, it is. Driving RPG. Nice. That, was, that, was a, that was a very, like, square of the moment idea. Yes. Like a driving RPG. I think they, they also have an early PS2 driving game that is, by all accounts, just absolutely wretched. <laughs> but I don't think that one pretends to be an RPG either. Mm. It has a very early 2000s title, Driving Emotion Type S. Oh, yeah, that is... That's the sign that somebody did not translate the Japanese title very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's probably because it appears to have been written just in katakana in Japanese. It's just like, oh, we well, don't need to localize this. Why would we do that? <laughs> well, well, to continue with the question, if I could get a second set released a la second Densetsu, I would go for Quintet's Soul Blazer trilogy. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. I'll Is sign that... on for that as long as there's no Grand Stream Saga included. I was going to say, we're going to leave off the fourth game in the trilogy, because <laughs> I, I have played Grand Stream Saga. It was okay, but the controls were a bit wonky. Is that the, um, P- the one on PS1? Yeah. Uh, the- it's really yeah. upsetting, because like it's mostly top-down, and you can tell it was designed for that, because occasionally it tries to like zoom out to a proper thir- third-person camera, and you can see that no one is textured with a face. Yeah, that's that's was my... That's the thing that the only thing I can remember of playing that game was no one had a face and it was horrifying and I had to stop playing. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, no. This is a sign that you need to go back to sprite-based animation rather than <laughs> So, unfortunately, Quintet did not really survive as a studio to learn from this mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we had to include more Quintet games, I would say let's put Robotrek in there with the Soul Blazer games. Just put in some of the East games they made before they left Falcom. No, that would be a Falcom collection anyway. Yeah, I would adore like collections of old Falcom games, but they usually are canny enough about it to just sell new remakes of the old mm-hmm. games. I mean, heck, if I had if I had a couple million dollars to burn, I'd just start buying up really old PlayStation game IPs and releasing compilations. <laughs> I mean, just some some of the re- just the really really weird stuff. Um, see if I could get somebody in, see if I could find the original programming compiled to begin with, and see if we could fix some of the issues with some of these games. But yeah, um, yeah just have a. Bite. Or even just like release them and try to document a like I would like this is something that like is very boutique, but that I'd really like. It's just like someone. Releasing these old games, but, like, having gone back and, like, interviewed the people that made them to give some context to, like, why did this... What was... What created this strange thing? Like, what philosophical point were you trying to make by nerfing the most powerful (laughs) spell in the universe? (laughs) Yes. Second Division. That was the name of the the group under Square that made that game. Second Uh. Division. Yeah. And, again, that is so so very much a Second Division kind of concept. Just, yeah. Actually, I think several of the games that we have already mentioned were made by Second Division. <laughs> yeah. Which just goes to show they were the strange, funny ideas people that worked for Kawazu. Yeah, yeah. Because Kawazu's credited as in like some sort of supervisory role on a lot of those games as well. Yeah, he he was like he was a producer for uh, for Racing Lagoon. He was in it for Treasure Hunter G, Treasure of the Rudras. Um, <coughs> Yeah. Both of which are outcropping, out, out, like, are in a loose, like, production trilogy with, like, Final Fantasy Legend 3 and uh, yeah. Mystic Quest. Well, for the, I mean, Mystic Quest was, I think, an American branch of the studio, but um, Mystic Quest was made by the, yeah, by the same group as Final Fantasy Legend 3. Yeah. Which was separate from Second Division. Oh, okay, this is a separate group. I think yeah, it has, it shares some staff, but... Yeah, but um, yeah, Final Fantasy Legend Three was produced outside of the main group, mm. which is why it turned out so different. A tragic video game. 
which he had tried a to really awesome remake. So yeah. um, there's there's option <clears throat> number three or four there, the remade sagas. Oh man, oh, Wonder Swan Saga One, DS Sagas Two and Three. Oh, not, from... not the one, no, not the Wonder Swan one, okay? Because that okay. one they added, that one just added in the the Mystic Emerald quest line, hmm. but it kept the rest of the game the same. Mm. And trust, if you got a choice between the original Romancing Saga and the PlayStation Two remake, you go with the PlayStation oh. 2 remake. Yeah, no, I was talking about original, like the Wonder Swan remake of Saga One, like. Oh, sorry, I, wrong I, one. Kaitoshi like... Saga. Okay, sorry, got it mixed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I should have been more specific. Yeah, get the original Saga remix in, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be good. Also, maybe some news about the Romancing Saga 3 remake, but Mm. that's getting (laughs) (laughs) deep. That one is probably going to come out soonish. Yeah. Okay. So anything else we would like to see in collection? Some of of Enix's weirder backlog? Or back... um, What's right? Back library? Yeah, about, like catalog, I guess. Enix, catalog. Had, Enix had a lot of those, like, but I think there probably is, similarly, there might be rights issues with some of them, just because Enix wasn't much of a developer so much as a publisher. Yeah. So, um... Or maybe, like, uh, I guess, to be really pie in the sky, a more proper, like, Dragon Quest collection. Like, they did the Wii one that was just, like, the Super Famicom game. The Super Famicom remix, I think. I'm not sure if it even had the originals. But otherwise, they don't really do Dragon Quest collections. Yeah. That may be more Hori, son. Yeah, probably. Since he's really protective of the IP. Which is good. It's probably why the IP is still strong, but... Yes, it would be nice to see. it's still strong, yeah. It would be nice to see, like, a like especially given how he's getting up there in years, it would be nice to see a really, like, comprehensive collection of, like, his work with the series. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, speaking of auteurship in video games. Yeah. Freaking love it. Yeah, Eiji Horio over Suda51 every day. Oh, I can't say that far. I love Suda51, <laughs> even if he's completely crazy and a lot of his games aren't necessarily traditionally good <laughs> or good. Um, so. I will tell. I will debate the like intense, like metaphorical meaning of Killer Seven for the next seven years. Fifty one <laughs> 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 stuff is very hit or miss, and when it, when it hits, it's great. When it misses, it flies past the. It misses like that Tesla trying to aim for Mars and missing and hitting the asteroid belt. <laughs> You can always tell how much Suda actually, like, was involved in the project versus how much they want to say, like, oh, it's going to be crazy. Uh, But that's another discussion. I'd love a collection of all the weird Tri-Ace games that, like, aren't series, like, obviously, uh, Resonance of Fate. Beyond the Labyrinth discussion, Mark V. Yep, Beyond the Labyrinth. Beyond the Labyrinth, yes. Um... Hey, oh, God. Star Ocean Blue Sphere. Yeah. Yep. That, that belongs in a Star Ocean collection before three or four, actually. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that one, I'm still amazed that they, they bothered to make an improved graphic version for cell phones and then never put it anywhere else. <laughs> Tragic. I mean, why didn't you? why did you not put it on the 3DS store, people? You could have sold this. Yes. 
I mean, there are enough crazy Star Ocean fans in America that you could probably have made, turned a pretty good profit on this. It's what based on the most popular game in the franchise. And Hard the best Hunt. one in the franchise. Yes, that too. <laughs> it's still better. It's also by itself better than the next two games that came after it. Maybe next three. Um, yeah, five has its moments. It's not awful like the three and four, but it's disposable. Yeah. Whereas Blue Sphere really owns the fact that, yes, this is just meant to make the fans happy with putting all the characters together and we're just having a fun little adventure and it works. I still love that like, it, it starts on the assumption of a game state that's impossible. Yep. <laughs> uh... well, I mean, it doesn't even bother explaining how everyone knows each other. Yeah, it's just, you know, whatever. We'll just yeah. pretend that they all were one giant party. Yep. But yeah, but yeah um, Beyond the Labyrinth is one I would like to see get more attention. <coughs> Beyond the Labyrinth, Resonance of Fate. Radiata uh, Stories. Oh yeah, Radiata well, Stories. Uh, or am I thinking? Of oh, radi- I think you're conflating it with Radiant Historia, which is a frankly disgustingly similar name, given that both names are nonsense. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, I was I was mistaking it with Historia. Yeah. Yeah. Radiata Stories is the like what if Stewie Coden, but your char- but it was about humans versus elves, and also your main character is named Jack Russell. <laughs> but it's it's one of those games. I think it has like a cast of like 150 playable characters mm. one of those things it's it's a weird game and it's like yeah. it starts out really jokey and then it takes a hard left turn about halfway through it's very strange mm. yeah I'm, I'm kind of leery about any game that advertises that many playable characters because very often it's not very well done I'm not a fan of Chrono Cross um, <laughs> there's also oh, a few- if you want an extreme example of this, Grandia Parallel Trippers, which I still oh. have I need to actually replay because I made it to the final level and then stopped 13 years ago. Um, yeah, that one, you can recruit almost every single named character in the original Grandia. Which sounds like it's custom made for me, but also sounds like it's probably not good. With this bizarre card-based system and very... I mean, it, it works really weird. But if you want to have a... Um, it's a three-person party, so if you want to have the the uh, three evil dominatrix magic right, knights ray earth uh, parody <laughs> bitch sisters Man, as a party, this. you can have it, and they have their own... Um, they have their own combo attacks. That's excellent. Yes. I think the I only was a... okay. the only characters that you cannot actually recruit are the villain's son and his girlfriend, the heroine's sister, and that's only because I think they ran out of time making the game. It seems like a strange oversight. Mullen and Lean are actually pretty important characters. No, I mean they have part of a sub of a side quest or a um, B side quest to work through, mm. and it's obvious that there was supposed to be more, and it got cut off. I can only assume that like that quest was probably going to be relatively elaborate because they're important characters, and then it was like, well, we don't have time for that, so too bad. <laughs> Pretty much from what I've heard. Yes. Uh, yeah, like, that. That to speak of one more collection, I would 
go for. Like, one that just collects Grandia, one, two, three, and I guess extreme if we have to. Do we have to have three? Uh, yes, yes, it's still not as bad as extreme or parallel trippers or probably digital museum. I, I can't mean, speak for digital museum. <laughs> I'm not sure if we could describe parallel trippers as bad or just tripping. <laughs> well, I guess it, it was seriously tripping. Um, I mean, if you had just replaced every character in the game with a completely original character instead of the Grandia characters, mm-hmm. it would not have made a single bit of difference. <laughs> not a bit. Listen, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to make a party out of, like, the old adventurer guy whose pass you get at the beginning of the game. Java! The main characters, Java, the main character's pirate mom, and frick, there's uh, probably, like, the captain of the ship at the beginning of the game who sucks. <laughs> you can just actually wanna... get two of those three characters. Yeah, I suspected that uh, the, that pirate mom would also be accepted. Pirate be. mom kicks butt. Of course uh, she but, does, she's rad. But, also, she keeps hitting you in the head with a platter. But, for example, you could also recruit the two lovebirds who were going to be sacrificed to the volcano. <coughs> oh, man, Except that Justin and Tina got, got catapulted over there instead. Yes, you can recruit them. That's fantastic. I forgot about them. Oh, I yes. Love I mean, seriously, except for the villain himself and then his son and um, Lean. Uh, not Lean. Um, Fina's sister. Is that Lean? Yeah, yeah okay. Fina's sister is Lean. Except for those two characters, you can recruit everybody else. Oh, man. Someone yes. fan translate this. I don't even care if it's not good. I want to play it. Yep. Yeah, there's also the digital museum. I'm not even sure what gameplay, quote-unquote, that would have, but... If it's a digital museum, it's most likely fan art and stuff, and creative um, yeah, it, it was just weird because I read about it and it's like, oh, they made like a plot to sit like vaguely justify the fact that you're looking at like Grandia fan and production art. It's like, why did you do this? Who is this I, for? I mean, why did they make the Star Wars Christmas special? I mean, <laughs> I guarantee you the Star Wars Christmas special was more profitable than Grandia Digital Museum. Well, the, the holiday special only showed one time period in history. True, yeah. true. One time too many. And the the only people who have made any profit off of that thing were the bootleggers who successfully copied it to VHS and have been selling copies of those VHS tapes ever since. Uh, Rift Tracks probably made a profit off it as well. Just an indirect one. Yeah, uh, yeah I just I just wanted to <laughs> ramble about Grandia for a bit. I love Grandia. <laughs> R.I.P. Director of Grandia. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think so, I've given more than my fair share. Okay, so do we have another question, or shall we just keep ripping on this? Uh, I had, I had another series, and now it has left my brain. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh God, what the heck was it? What uh, era? Maybe we can start nailing this down. Uh, the. It was a good one, too. Damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe I'll remember it as we go along. It was something involving the PSP, I think. I don't know. I'll get nothing. Um, yes. Wait. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Queen's Blade. I, I don't know what that is. 
I know, I recognize the name, and uh, it brings very specific imagery to mind. Yes, Dave knows it, yes. I was going to pull up the the joke answer of, like, Valhalla Knights or Blade Dancer. Yeah. Yeah. Queen's Blade and... Valhalla Knights, you monster. (laughs) So, yeah. I had to play the third game in that series. I know you did. I remember. It was awful. You were inconsolable for like three weeks. <laughs> uh. Well, speaking of collections, I was just looking on Yahoo right now, and for some reason this popped up on my newsfeed. Mega Man Legacy Collection is headed to Nintendo Switch. Yeah, one and two, both on May 22nd in the US. Nice. <coughs> okay, so, next question. I believe there was a question about game gimmicks, right? Uh, the next one is actually about Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. I may have buried this thing back then. <laughs> like, cause that was a good question to continue with. It is. Uh, at this moment, which franchise do you feel Square holds more value in? Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy? Well, Final Fantasy is the one that they can get really creative, experimental, and just say yes this is this is the best of the best maybe um and dragon quest is the one that actually brings in the money mm. <sighs> for final fantasy you can at least guarantee a like a, the first month massive surge of sales up until the point where somebody realizes that they hate it and then suddenly we have a massive fan backlash oh, every yeah. time well <laughs> every time it is more popular worldwide than Dragon Quest is. Yeah, but again, its value as a brand is more diluted because it doesn't have that hoary, uh, yeah, paying attention to it. That and I mean, again, for the Japanese video game industry, the rest of the world is an afterthought for the most part. Mm. So you're talking like which one is more popular in Japan? It's probably going to be Dragon Quest at this point. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. We'll have to step out for a moment. I will. I will be back. Sure. Um. I guess that's right. I mean, sure. But now that Square Enix is more of a, since their acquisition of uh, Eidos is more in line as a worldwide publisher. Um, I wonder if even Tomb Raider is more important than either of these. Yeah. The question was there. Final Fantasy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, yeah, Dragon... I, I would probably defer to Dragon Quest because even... Even though Final Fantasy does have the big worldwide appeal and it's got the big MMO now, it seems like Final Fantasy has more uneven success, I would say, whereas Dragon Quest is kind of this uh, go-to... Um, moneymaker. Moneymaker, exactly. And obviously, given the lesser production values, even in like the newer games... Uh, it also doesn't cost as much to make, so yeah, it's probably definitely the bigger money maker of the two, and the more I mean, important. 
Final Fantasy tends to insist on reinventing the wheel every single time. Yeah. Dragon Quest is like, this is this is what we are known for. This is the style that we are aiming for. We we've already got it invented. Mm-hmm. And they seem to have had a lot of success with the spin offs lately as well, like Dragon Quest Builders. Uh, even the Dragon Quest uh, Heroes games seem to do well in the West. So, I mean, if they if they can get that series to do, have more success outside of Japan as well, then it's going to be even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's see. What's Budai? What else does Budai have for us here? With technology advancing in cases where it's already happening, can you envision a future for games that are billed as starring a certain actor or actress, sort of like a movie where the main character is played by someone? Uh, I wonder if this will just be a niche thing or if it will take off and become super common. Nick Cage starring in Final Fantasy XX is his example. Well, they've already done that at times with the um, (laughs) voice acting. Yeah, I... I'm not, I'm not sure how much they push, pushed it, but I mean, uh, I Kiefer I'm Sutherland, Kiefer Sutherland, and Metal Gear Solid Five was a huge deal. I I remember about what 15, 16 years ago when Kingdom Hearts came out, and mm. it was a big deal that Lance Bass was playing Sephiroth. Yeah, and I mean more than that, if you go and look at like the the voice list for all the Kingdom Hearts games, it's pretty impressive. Yep. And not not just like the big famous people, but like. Um, I'd say famous voice voice actors who work in a lot of different Disney animation were there as well. So yep. they really went but, above and beyond for the voice casting for that. Of course, he's talking about visually recognizable. Ah, I see. And that's a bit more of an issue, but not not possibly not for much longer. Um, I was talking about newsfeed a couple a couple days ago. I had one article show up. I think it was what might have been wired or something technical. And it was talking about this guy um, who is posting stuff on Reddit and how he developed like algorithms that would allow you to actually take a person's face off of a video of them and put it in, on somebody else's body in a different video. <laughs> and of course, so, of course, back in December when this was originally reported on, there was an entire Reddit dedicated to basically photoshopped amateur porn using celebrity faces. <laughs> However, two I was reading the article it was two months later, they were um, looking at it again, and not only had the the number of people working with this um, algorithm and this concept exploded in numbers, somebody um, this one guy had already created a an almost user-friendly app that would let you do this without knowing or without a degree in computer science. <laughs> and another guy in it, one of the rare non-porn examples that they, the article was able to provide, he managed to lift um, Princess Leia's face off of one off of the original Star Wars movie and recreate her the same character's appearance in Rogue One and make it look better. Oh my god. <laughs> for effectively zero dollars. Like All right, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. And that this was like about two to three months of development time between <laughs> very fairly crude cut and paste 
faces over porn stars to outdoing um, some of Disney's animation departments. <laughs> so I'm thinking, who cares if they can actually get a famous movie star in? I'm thinking the next Mass Effect may allow you to put your own face on Captain uh, Commander Shepard. And have it look that good. That would be pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, um, Oreshka for Vita, um, Oreshka 2 actually had something like that where you could use the Vita camera to take your picture, and it would convert that into an a uh, an avatar character for you. Huh. But it was obviously animated. Um, also didn't look that good. Um, <laughs> but this is a completely different level of um, just completely different level of, ad of adding stuff in. Yeah. And um, I was going to say, um, I, I mean, it would be neat, but I wonder how quickly like the novelty would wear off. That entirely depends on what gimmicks or how they gimmick it up. Yep. Because for if we're talking about games like Fable, where the entire point is your character avatar, basically trying to be you in the story, then I could see something like that being very critical. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm back. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, and f for me, just personally, I think I'd rather just like they not do that. Like, just give us just because it kind of takes some of the creativity out of making characters. I think just having to make it look exactly like whoever the voice actor is. Mm -hmm. So I'd almost rather mm -hmm. just. And we're on to a different Budai question. Yeah. No, I figured. I apologize for interrupting. I'm just. I'll try to get up to speed. It's cool. Um, <coughs> what was I saying? Yeah, so uh, I'd rather they just, you know, make the characters that they want to make and then just, if they have to get famous people, just have them do voice acting. But I guess this would be okay, okay on occasion. Yeah. I mean, the, there's the flip side, like how Square Enix really wanted to have Lightning become a digital actress type character. <laughs> uh, all that modeling jobs they got for her. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the question now. I I will admit I would probably pay to hear a Nicolas Cage Final Fantasy, but yeah, yeah. that's probably unrelated. But I mean, like, they... they, they Speaking of that reverse side, there is also their attempts to make Aki Ross from Spirits Within like a <laughs> thing for a while. It did not last very long. They immediately like it's it's weird when you do that when you've also like put like a thriller joke just to in, in like the credits referencing the fact that your characters look stilted and like horrible zombie people. <laughs> oh well. Okay, that just reminded me of a, of a situation where they did have a famous person in the middle of a video game. Mm -hmm. Space Channel 5. Oh, Space Michael! Yes. 
that that's still one of the funniest stories ever. Just apparently the it was like the head of or like somebody at Sega got a call in the middle of the night from a guy in Sega America saying, "Hey, hey, Matt, Matt, I was just telling Michael about this that game you were working on at a party, and he says he'd like to be in it." And the guy was like, "Michael, Michael, who? Jackson." <laughs> it's like it was just some random conversation at a Hollywood party, apparently, and I, I love got Michael Jackson into the game. I love Michael Jackson's <coughs> strange, long-running relationship with Sega throughout the '90s into the early aughts. Because, mm-hmm. like, Moonwalker is like the craziest video game. I played that one in the arcade. I remember that. Yeah, arcade Moonwalker is a crazy game, and. Genesis Moonwalker is a completely different crazy game. <laughs> oh boy. And then, yeah, you have Michael Jackson, Space Michael in Space Channel 5. I think he's in both Space Channel 5 and Space Channel 5 Part 2. Probably. I was just so disappointed that he did not show up in Project Cross Zone. Oh, that would have been so great. Oh, man. But hey, we did have not Bruce Willis. He's <laughs> still love quite a bit like Bruce Willis. <laughs> I love Dynamite Decca. Everyone go play Dynamite Decca. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, and then... Let's see. He was also... Oh, yeah, there was also the long unconfirmed, but I think eventually confirmed after his death rumors that he had had a hand in the, like, Sonic 3 and Knuckles soundtrack. Mm. Uh, Let's see, what other famous people in video games? Oh, Barrett, Final Fantasy VII. That had to be a deliberate Mr. T reference there. Uh, I pity the fool who kills the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Even before the localizers had fun um, with his appearance. (laughs) They've tried to make him less Mr. T the more realistic they've made him. uh, We'll always have the original. Yep. I'm, like, then then you go bar- back to the more regrettable times, and you have like a handful of uh, FMV games that are uh, that have a handful of people you might have actually heard of at various points. Christopher Walken's in like three of those, and I love the explanation I have read for why. Why? It was just his. He was like he asked his agent to seek out the roles because he thought that the like oh being in interactive movies is the future. Uh, it was a very early 90s thought process. Let's not think about FMV games. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, like, the only other thing I can think of for, like, celebrity-backed video games is anything that Vin Diesel has done in the past ten years. <laughs> True. Like, uh, he, like one of my favorite things to read is like the Wikipedia assertion that like he wanted to make a real time strategy game based off the life of Hannibal Barca to go along with the freaking biopic he wanted to star in. <laughs> he wanted to. Cool. He wanted to make a Zelda style game starring his D and D character, and he wanted to make like a freaking like, GTA-style game starring, like, 
a real life crooked cop. Strangest, like what? <laughs> just the strangest set of things that, like, I have, I have set up a media studio to try to inter- try to negotiate with developers and publishers to try to put these into production. None of them happened, but he sure wanted them. <laughs> but we've all got really biz- interesting, bizarre game concepts that we would love to see happen, and we know it's never going to, but we still talk about it anyway. Yeah. Oh man, I'm thinking like. And sometimes it's good that celebrities aren't allowed large amounts of creative control over video games anymore after the tragedy of Takeshi. Mm-hmm. <sighs> There's a lot of reasons to be confused by the behavior of Takeshi <laughs> Kitano. Excuse me. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see this ever becoming a major thing. It's a lot of commitment, and it's hard to really put your face on a well-produced video game. <laughs> so it's it's mostly like an occasional gimmick that is trotted out less and less because, I mean, last time I can think, like sometimes you see it for like likeness rights, I guess, where it's like. I remember Electronic Arts was very pleased to announce back when they had the Bond license that they had actually licensed, at the time, Bond, Pierce Brosnan's likeness, and then they didn't actually get his voice, and that was really jarring. Yeah. In any case, celebrity video games, probably not making a resurgence. (laughs) Did you have any final thoughts on... um... Dragon Quest versus Final Fantasy as Square Enix's most important franchise. Uh, I think it depends upon whether you're talking to the head of the uh, proper Square Enix or if you're talking to the head of their international offices. Hmm. But even if you're talking to the head of their Western divisions, they're probably more interested in things that like the the Western division is probably trying to put Mad Bank on like their Avengers project. Yeah. I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, well, they announced it as soon as the ink dried, so we probably won't be seeing one until, like, 2022. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad habit that Square always had, that NX didn't successfully kick them up, of announcing <sighs> this the second that it's put into production. Dude, what are you talking about? When when has Square Enix ever announced something too early? When? <laughs> give me Give me one example. I bet you can't give me a half dozen examples. I certainly couldn't give you a top ten list of most <laughs> prematurely announced titles from Square Enix. You know what? Let's do that. Let's do uh, this. Titles that have changed names three or four times to reflect the fact that when they were first announced, they were little more than a gleam in Toriyama's eye. Uh, it's, it's great, though. Like, it, It's one of those things where like, it was weird when I looked back at... like. Because I was looking back a while ago about, like, when did they start doing this? And it was like, oh, they they always did this. Like, <laughs> they never stopped. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, back in the day, back in, like, the PS1, when they announced something, like, way too early, it didn't matter, because a game would be finished in 18 months from start to finish. Yeah. But now it's like, a game, a AAA game is, bare minimum, a four-year commitment, and... If you announce it the second that you put it into production, it's going to seem hella late, regardless of the fact that you never said when it was coming out. Uh, video games. 
But yeah, I would say that Dragon Quest is definitely the lifeblood of the brand, and I would imagine that there's probably like several committees determined to like work out to chart the series' course in the immediate future, as long as like Hori is there, and then into the far future when he inevitably must retire or go the way of all good things, depending upon which comes first. Mm. But I would imagine that Final Fantasy, there is. There is a known, like, public council of who who makes decisions about Final Fantasy with a large number of strange members. <laughs> but I also think that they're that they're like, ex- like, an in- no individual Final Fantasy project can be as much of a flagship as a Dragon Quest project. Yeah, like, there's the brand is so much more extended. Whereas, like, when Dragon Quest does spinoffs, it's still kind of a like. Oh, they you know they don't do new Dragon Quest spinoffs that often. Like they might make sequels to old spinoffs, but they don't branch out Dragon Quest as often as they do Final Fantasy. And when they do spin off Dragon Quest, it is still very recognizably Dragon Quest. Yeah, you you wouldn't look at it and say, "Oh, that's just this is a completely original concept that they slapped Dragon Quest onto." So you, Whereas, you don't get stuff like Blood of Bahamut. Or Four Warriors of Hats, or Bravely Default. Ah, <laughs> uh, Four Warriors of Hats. Yeah. Bravely Default. Yeah, well, which granted, Four Warriors of Light and Bravely Default are more Final Fantasy style, old school, than some of the more recent Final Fantasies. But, yeah. That just that, ties into the fact that Final Fantasy as a brand is more has, of a mood than a... Yeah. It's, uh... It's the concept of trying to push the envelope yeah. on design. Sometimes it's the concept of pushing the envelope on good taste. See also all the bravest. Yes. <laughs> oh man, so I, I felt like it was important to take it so hard that it falls out of the mail truck on the way home. And no, and nothing of value is lost. <laughs> There's so many Final Fantasy mobile games at this stage that it's easy to forget that that was like the, their big foray, their big first foray into iOS development in English. That went well. Did they end up like? Is that game still for sale? I'm gonna Google this they... and I'm gonna get be depressed by the answer. <laughs> Most likely. Okay. Store. Uh, it's still... Okay, I still see something on iTunes, so it hasn't been specifically taken down. I'm not sure if it's still updated. And it has a four and a half star rating. They love it. What? All these Apple... All the Apple users love their Final Fantasy All the Bravest. (coughs) I have some questions. To whoever's buying this game online rating system so it could just as easily be ratings bombed usually it's ratings bombed down but it's true it could be that somebody on 4chan thought it would be funny to try to get it as close to 5 as possible (laughs) also true that does seem like something they would spend their time on Yeah. I mean it's usually the good games that they have some minor quibble with that they tried to reduce to 1 yeah doesn't that happen with Amazon Japan reviews a lot as well it, it happened with Dragon Quest IX. Because a small but very noisy portion of the gaming population decided that they really did not like the fairy sidekick. 
They thought yeah, that she was too ga- um, girly girl and annoying. I feel like that's like that when I hear like what what did what got rating bombed in Japan? It seems to be Amazon Japan reviews. Almost always. Yeah. That's an interesting uh, bit of culture, I guess. Like, where do we? What parts of what what countries rating bomb what websites, and what does that say about them? <laughs> <laughs> what it says about Japan is that there are plenty of non-online rating ratings lists and reviews of magazines and other coverage yeah. that can avoid this issue. Yeah, you can still get like a ton of different, like very specifically <laughs> focused magazines in Japan. I mean. Tales has its own dedicated monthly magazine. <laughs> yes. I'd like to imagine that every month for the past few months it's just had an article proclaiming that Tales of Switch still technically exists. No, I mean, they'll do fan art, they'll do... I mean, I haven't actually looked at one in ages, but... Yeah, it's it's largely fan-driven content. That still explain That explains why Tales of Fandom was allowed to exist as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about a company that has learned to really, really take advantage of its fan base properly. <laughs> yes. <coughs> well, I mean, it's the marriage of Namco and Bondi, and Bondi is basically built on that. Yeah. So. What is the proper ordering of their name? Is it Bandai, Bandai Namco? Namco I, can, I can never remember, because they switched it. it. Like, uh, but... Very often for the American copyright section, you'll often see it written as M- NMBC. Yeah, in, I believe for a long time, because the Namco brand was stronger with video games in the U.S., they put Namco first, but after a while they were just like, whatever, screw it, Bandai Namco. Yeah, I, I never heard it as anything but Bandai Namco, but I'm over here. Yeah, like I would imagine, like Bandai is a much bigger, like all-encompassing sort of brand management in Japan. So, than Namco, which is you know a popular video game developer, but still just a video game developer. Yeah. Okay, I have rambled too much. I apologize. No apologies needed. Am I going to move on to the next question? I don't think we have any more thoughts on Celebrity Video Game or Final Fantasy versus Dragon Quest. I'm still trying to think of that series I wanted a collection of. Excited for the addendum to be added to this in editing. <laughs> Linus. Addendum. God damn it, it was this! What was that? Linton? What, what is that? Paladin's Quest. No! <laughs> <laughs> no! That's just mean. <laughs> hey, uh, one of one of my first, um, actually, I think it was my first year at RP Gamer. I decided to do an April first um, column, and it was either the first time or second time I did this. And I actually managed to uh, uh, convince some people on the main podcast that. Um, that Square Enix was do- doing a re- or doing a new game in the Linus series <laughs> with intentionally retro graphics when I was quite obviously using um, it was even linked gra- um, screenshots from Linus too. <laughs> so, 
It actually got mentioned in the podcast that month, that week. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I managed uh, to convince quite a few people that quite a few weird games were coming out that um, with that particular column. Um, so. Never trust the internet in April. <laughs> oh no! I mean, the net the year after that. Um, well, also for just for fun, the column right after that. Mm-hmm. I uh, published retractions in character <laughs> as being held hostage by the Japanese like Ministry of Truth or something like that, and they had a shock collar on me. <laughs> that happened every time I told a lie. And so in the, the intro section of the column, it was me giving a monologue, apologizing, and getting zapped every like three lines because I wasn't being specific enough. <laughs> Uh, well, now we have to do an April 1st cast, and it's going to be yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> and then for my second April 1st column, I um, I challenged everybody to figure out which game in the column that um, that week was not real. <laughs> it's like, I, I said, it's like, okay, so here's the deal. Okay, or I was going to tell one lie in the entire column. And then I told everyone, okay, one of these games is fake. Guess which one? Oh. <laughs> well, the lie was that en- that the lie was that any of the games were fake. <laughs> <laughs> However, I included stuff like I included stuff like the RPG Maker game that I found at Daiso, the hundred yen store, on disc. Um, I included some I included some random um, semi pornographic game that I saw mentioned on a website. I mean, just stuff like that. The stuff that doesn't get much coverage in English, so you're not going to be able to tell whether it's real or not. <laughs> yes. And then for the third April Fool's Day, I, I think that was that I've only actually done three. For the third April Fool's Day column, again, all accurate, all, or all accurate reporting, all actual video games, all written in French. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I ran out of time and had to use Google Translate for several of the items, and so... Our music guy at the time, Maxime, was getting on to me for my poor grammar halfway through. <laughs> but there had even to be better, someone. Even better, the opening section for that column was all about sushi. <laughs> and so I, can actually, I actually titled the column Poisson d'Avril, which is the French term for, or it means uh, April fish, and it means it's the French version of April. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Fun. And then for the fourth year, uh, Becky Cunningham, Ocelot, she did the column for me. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. In the, can you believe that, come up with this crap um, version of the column. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. I've had some fun with these. So I, I finally remembered the series. Okay, what was it? I wanted a Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles collection. Of course. <laughs> okay, that one's actually feasible. Yeah. It'd be kind of a grab bag of random nonsense, but I would love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of those have a consistent play style nope. at all. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> action RPG in some capacity, that's about it. Action RPG, action RPG controlled by Game Boy Advance... Yeah, you just put those on a bunch of switches, you're fine. Yeah, it's all good. Sure, they could figure something out. I believe in them. 
but yeah. <coughs> so our last question from Budai is: How do you feel about con- the concept of good and bad endings? Depends on how good and how bad. <laughs> really fun. Like uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4, where I did not realize that you could actually turn the entire planet into a singularity event. Hmm. As the, as, the most, as the most truly neutral neutron star ending I have ever seen. Oh, that, that ending. Yes. The actual neutral ending for that game was really difficult to get. Yeah, no, I got that neutral ending because I worked very hard to make sure that I was not going too far in one direction or the other, then leaning slightly to one and choosing the opposite right at the end. <laughs> yes, that was ridiculous. Yeah, that was not that was not a well-implemented ending system, and hopefully they don't try doing that again. They'd hopefully they do a better job of it, yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that sort of thing shows up in all of them. Because, I mean, like, you also... Like, the reasons in 3 are basically law, neutral, and chaos in different ways, but, uh... Yeah. But, I mean, Megaton has some of the most interesting bad endings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they... Like, that's, that's the thing about, uh... Good and bad endings is, like... If you if you aren't going to commit to really pursuing multiple endings, <coughs> make one good ending instead of a bunch of boring endings. Yeah. So I, I remember. Um, oh, there was a different game that ended with the Earth turning into a black hole. <laughs> what of these are you finding? <laughs> um, Samurai Evolution O Kokogeist. It was an old Enix game for Game Boy Advance. It was basically a monster collection game where your monsters were actually turned into swords and other weapons for you to duel with. And the final, the way the final boss was set up, the, it had the heroine, or it was actually the spirit possessing the heroine, and so it was using the heroine as a weapon. <laughs> and so, um, in this particular game, whenever you're dueling another character, usually you want to just destroy all of their blades and it's an automatic win. However, there are attacks that will directly hit the um, the fighter character, and you can actually win by um, just getting rid of their hit points. Mm-hmm. So in the final battle, you could just choose to pretty much kill the heroine and <laughs> technically win the battle, and then the entire Earth gets swallowed up by a black hole, and the guy who that who you thought was the villain for the entire game successfully escapes um, with about a thousand people in a space arc. Because <laughs> he was trying to prevent <coughs> the entire time. So, in order to get the good ending, you have to um, make use of several different special attacks, plus one magic spell that has the when you first find it, it has the apparently useless effect of healing the enemy's swords. Ah. <laughs> uh, that's cute. I like that. Yeah. Like, like marrying it to, like, the way that you approach the game rather than just, like, choices made in dialogue can be nice. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's, like, Chrono Trigger, where... Yeah, oh, man. The point, mm-hmm. the actual point in the game where you beat the game has a major impact. Like, Chrono Trigger is also great just because it's not afraid to go balls-out insane with what those endings actually are. Yep. 
Yes. <laughs> and then Chrono Cross decided that it was going to build off a lot of those joke endings for, like, various alternate dimensions, which was a choice someone made. Yeah. The everyone's erect tight ending is canon now. <laughs> and when you deal with multiverses in video games, it's the kind of thing you get. I mean, just, Pretty. oh. Just imagine some of the insanity that they could have done with um, Bravely Default. But didn't. <sighs> oh, well. <coughs> they just defarted. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't avoid making that joke at every possible opportunity. I can't believe... I believe we are now officially legally three-year-olds for repeating that joke over <laughs> and over. Well, this this brings to mind the Captain Underpants movie. Did you, did you watch that? Didn't watch it. Was surprised to see it coming out in, like, 2017 given that I, you know, last seen the books in, like, 2001, but... Yeah. Oh, I saw, I saw the trailer for that movie, like, literally two weeks before I left to go home to America with my wife and daughter. Yeah. So I immediately emailed my sister saying, okay, have, have my niece and nephew seen this movie yet? Because I'm going to take at least one of them to go see it. And I ended up taking both of them to go see it at the last theater in the state that had it. <laughs> How was it? it? It just happened to be in the same town as a really good children's museum. So we went to the museum in the morning, and then they dropped us off at the movie theater, and everyone else went shopping while we had popcorn and just laughed at the, the silly jokes. That's a great day for some youngsters, actually. Yeah. Well, my niece was like 11, and she'd already seen it once, and so we got to thoroughly embarrass her by watching it with her the second time. <laughs> <laughs> she knew what she was getting into. You knew what would happen. Yes. Ugh, no, I've lost my train of thought entirely. In conclusion, <laughs> um, the endings involving black holes make everything okay. Okay, yes. Now I now I remember what we were discussing. Yes. We can go from here. Yes. Thank <laughs> you, okay. Shin Megami Tensei 4. Yeah. Okay, well, how about this one? Are there any games where the you prefer the bad ending to the good ending? Hmm. Shin Megami Tensei 4. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're just saying well, that because that's the one you got. <laughs> no, I got I got a, um, what's it? Not good, but um, you got one law. of the law or chaos endings. Yeah, I got the law ending. Well, the law ending is masquerading as good because it's all heavenly angels. Yeah, you get a blasted hellscape Tokyo in that. Yeah, you get a blasted hellscape Tokyo in several outcomes of that game. Yeah, like, the game impresses heavily upon you that, like, no, it doesn't matter whether you take uh, Law or Chaos, like, you're just going to get a blasted hellscape in return. <laughs> it's going to be either an, an uninhabited desert or, like, murder town. But... And, and I'm just thinking, then how did we manage to end up with the pseudo-medieval Japanese knights? <clears throat> Actual outcome. So, that was weird. Yeah, Mikado is uh, a strange place. We'll go with that. <laughs> and then I'm actually playing through Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse right now. Nearing the 
well, closing in on the end of that eventually. Like level 80. <laughs> it's a long game. It's a really long game. Uh, speaking of bad ends, I'm just thinking of um, Shin Megami Tensei De- Shin, bleh, Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor, which uh, oh, yeah, which did a great o- job of providing different paths you can go on, and uh, although it's probably not always clear which path you're going to end up on, I think in general it's like a natural flow of okay, you made these decisions and you're kind of ending up here, and yeah, I really really enjoyed that game and the different ways it could end. The, the I recall Devil one. Survivor. Okay. Oh, the first one anyway. I didn't do too many endings in the second one. I recall Devil Survivor doing a reasonably good job of doing, like, the. there's a bunch of endings, but there isn't necessarily one that's like, this is the good ending. Yeah. Which is uh, rare, especially for a Shin Megami Tensei game, yeah. where basically law and chaos endings tend to be essentially a form of punishment. <laughs> Like, that's the, that's more the core Mega Ten series because yeah the external the side series tend to vary away from the good um the law and order I mean order and chaos dynamic a lot yeah I mean that's half that's half the reason why they created Persona and the Devil Summoner series because they wanted to pursue different lines of of plot without having to go into that yeah. Plus, I think at that time, like, Shin Megami Tensei proper was also considered married to its post-apocalyptic aesthetic, and they probably wanted to move away from that a bit as well. Yeah. Oh, plus, they, they pretty much just invent a new branch of the series for every new console that comes out. Yeah. I'm still and waiting to see what they do now that the Switch is around. Other than 5. Yeah. I mean, for the DS, they created Devil Survivor. They they were all... Yeah, for the PlayStation, for the original PlayStation, they created the first Persona series and um, Devil Summoner, those two games, for that generation. For the PS2 generation, they rebooted (laughs) Persona into something quite different and then then rebooted the Devil Summoner games into the Raido games. Mm-hmm. Which were completely different in, yeah, uh, those in are... style, in context, in combat system, and in time period. Yeah, because so. like Devil Summoner, De- well, Devil Summoner one and two is, to my knowledge, I haven't played Devil Summoner one because that hasn't had an English uh, release of any kind. Is yeah, pretty that's... different from Soul Hackers. Uh, no, they're they're actually connected. Hmm. Um, two, a couple of the characters from the original, from Devil Summoner, the first game, yeah. appear in um, Soul Hackers. Hmm. So it's on the same timeline, and a couple of other characters, actually maybe some of the same ones, appear in Persona 2 as well. Oh, yeah. I know that Persona so, 2 has some characters from SMT, if. I didn't know it had Soul, uh, had, uh, what are their names? Uh, any Devil Survivor characters in it. Right. Yeah, the Kuzunoha Detective Agency. Oh, of course. So, um, yeah, so some members of the detective agency show up in Persona 2. Um, the heroine from from Devil Summoner 1 shows up in De- in, um, in uh, Soul Hackers. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> Those are more connected than I realized. Like, the concept of how of what ha- happens in Devil Summoner 1 always sounded interesting to me. 
I'm, it's a shame that, from what I've heard, the game attached to it isn't very good, but... Yeah. I mean, all four of the Devil Summoner games are very much into the noir concept. Mm. So, I mean, in the first one, you you are, or you, you're the hapless soul who finds himself accidentally possessing the detective. Yeah, that's, that was the part that I, like, the, the description of it of, like, you start the game as you, and then you, like, end up getting murdered by a serial killer, and you're soul goes into someone else's body always sounded like an interesting hook to start the game yeah and then in um in soul hackers of course you've got the the plucky young scooby gang hacker group who are trying to figure out what the heck's going on in the city and it just gets weirder are they called the spookies (laughs) yes actually the spookies and then for the other two devil's um, summer games you are again a detective you're just living in a fictional version of ni- of 1930s Japan. Yeah. And, and bringing back that whole Kujinoha thing. Yeah. As the ancestor of the Kujinoha guy from the first game. Yeah. I like Kujinoha's is like kind of a long-running like thing that can show up as just yeah. a thing can, I guess just a thing that can show up in the background of other Shin Megami Tensei games. Yep. I think they inserted Raido in some strange fashion to the 3DS version of Soul Hackers as well. Well, I have. I still. I need to play this eventually, but I've got a copy of Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne with Raido instead of. Um, what's his face? Dante. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chronicles Edition. Yeah, I was surprised that they didn't try to like release that in the U.S. in some capacity, given that he has no dialogue in that version. But the entire thing that produced Dante and Shin Megami Tensei was always weird to begin with. In conclusion, good and bad endings. Make sure you put a lot of effort into it if you're going to have multiples. Make it worth actually getting more than one. Black holes! Yes, black holes are a good start. Give me the black holes. Or... Hmm? Okay, so just for some more fun with alternative endings, Metal Max has a tradition of this. Oh. So going back to the original Metal Max game, there was no um, winning game condition for the game. You could beat the final boss, the game would not be over. (laughs) The only way to end the game was to go back to your dad at the garage at the first town and apologize and and retire from adventuring to be a mechanic. (laughs) I appreciate that idea. It's like, you killed the final boss. Which you could do at any given point of the game. So uh, I remember when Metal Saga came out and people were making jokes about how oh you could get a you could get a game fin- game clear screen at five minutes into the game. That's just a reference to the first game. That's just tradition. But um, some of the later Metal Maxes uh, two and three both did this. They allowed um, they allowed you to get married to NPC characters. <laughs> That'll so, put a damper in anyone's adventuring life. Which would end the adventure, but 
Metal Max 3 really worked well because at the be- um, towards the beginning of the game, you're supposed to be escorting this young lady named Cora to her fiancé on the other side of the wastes. Mm-hmm. And your convoy gets attacked by a gang, by a gang, and you two are the only survivors. And so she actually asks you, or begs you, to just run off with her because she doesn't want to get married to this guy and she thinks you seem like a nice guy. And if you say yes, then the, it will actually show the two of you riding off into the sunset on your motorcycle and it ends the game. What a if sweet ending. Say, if you say no, then the, the game actually continues. She steals <laughs> your motorcycle and when you're sleeping and you have to track her down. So, um, I was always kind of disappointed that they didn't actually try to create a plot line where the two of you were on the run. Yeah, that'd be fun. Considering who you were on the run from for most of the game to begin with. Um, no, that could have been really entertaining, but they decided to just make that the canonical happy ending. <laughs> the, non, the non-canonical happy ending. It's much happier than having to do everything else. Yep. They better keep that tradition up with Zeno. Oh, that's one of the first things they're going to be checking is to see if I can actually marry any of the NPCs. In I'm... in Metal Max 2 Reloaded, you could marry two different NPCs. Excellent. Yes. Um, either of which got you about the same romantic ending. Mm-hmm. However... It's worth pointing out that between the original game and the DS remake, they decided to allow the players to choose male or female protagonist. Mm. They did not bother to change any of the romance ending stuff. (laughs) So, yeah, Metal Max 2 Reloaded, you can get lesbian married to two different young ladies in the Acid Canyon region. Progressive. Yes, quite. Or just simply we couldn't be bothered to change any of the programming. Accidentally progressive, possibly. But still. Yes. <sighs> just thinking about how much we've missed with all these Metal Maxes. Oh, yeah. Still can't believe no one took a chance on 4 on 3DS. Yeah. Girlfriend I'm, motorcycle, I think. I'm wondering how much that particular bit of of uh, official art hurt them. <laughs> yeah, There's, probably a I little mean, bit. I mean, I remember, I think it was the TGS 2013, no, 2014. Um, I ran into, um, I was on the train with, I can't remember which other site that he worked for. It might have been IGN even, and we were discussing games, and I mentioned that one game I just, I'd really enjoyed the previous fall, and I was replaying part of it again, and he was like, yeah, I took one look at the official art for that, and I just said, hell no. <laughs> and then he had he brought up the picture on his, he found it on his smartphone, and it was like, yeah, the game's a lot better than you would think from that. <laughs> there's a part of me that looks at it and sees that, but there's also a part of me that says, yeah, but we also got Dungeon Travelers and Senron Kagura, so I don't feel like we have an excuse. It's true. <laughs> yeah. We got... Sen- we got the uh, Peach Beach thing. We've even. gotten every Senron Kagura game they've released. That's true. The only one we don't have is the recently released Switch one, and that one feels like a matter of time. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 
So it's one of those things where it's like, I could see that pushing away certain publishers, but it seems like they also publish a lot of things that like look a lot more questionable from concept art, so that doesn't feel like a good enough excuse anymore. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say, Sinran Kagura, which company publishes that one? Uh, Exceed is, I believe, in some fashion tied to Marvelous, so it's just sort of this is what we do. It's a Marvelous game originally, so Marvelous, Marvelous is a, a lot more relaxed about that. I can yeah. see how a bit having some more issues. Yeah. True, true. <sighs> well, at least we're getting a new one, hopefully. Oh, hey, how... Oh, no. I know what we need to go back and say for the uh, collections now. Metal Max? Metal Max. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice little collection. Localize them all in English. I'm going pie in the sky here. <laughs> Put them all in English on your <coughs> PS4, PS Vita, and Switch. But first, give me my weird Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles collection. Listen, we've got a lot of great collection ideas that no one's ever going to make. We can <laughs> we can stop worrying about a pecking order about which ones. Uh, Metal Max would be fun, though. Get all those... Like, Metal Max, Metal Max 2 Returns, Metal Max 3, 4... I guess we can have Metal Saga and Season of Steel if we have to. For completion, yeah. A properly complete collection, just long enough to look at them and say, I don't need more of this in my life. <laughs> oh, no. Season of Steel had some very good points. Mm -hmm. I mean, the issues I had with it were mainly, first of all, it is by far the most linear game in the entire series. Oh, that's a shame. And, <laughs> yeah, and the, the, third ch um, the third act of the game is literally railroaded. As, uh, as in, of course, you could try and defeat the uh, the uh, floating uh, weapons platform that you do need to take care of eventually and progress the game that way. However, you will never be strong enough at that point, so you have to instead keep going into this wasteland to pull out more junk, uh, scrap metal to have a, another guy melt down so that they can continue building the railroad all the way around the wasteland and getting access to other areas while you're doing it. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's, that was one major issue, and it was that, the touchscreen controls, which were okay up until very specific points of the game where they were not good enough, and just the fact that they reduced the party size from three to two. And, oh, man. And then let you only have one tank in battle. Yeah, it's going to reduce yep. a lot. Yep. On the other hand, uh, um, Metal Saga, the PlayStation game, still strongly resembles the first two games in the series, first two releases. Yeah. But Metal, uh, but Metal Saga: Season of Steel set a lot of templates for every game that came after. A flawed so, prototype. Yeah. So it was the first one to allow multiple weapons on a single character. Hmm. So, I mean, all the other games, if you wanted to switch up, you actually had to go back into your inventory outside of battle and put a new gun on them. For Season of Steel and every other game since then, you could put new weapons on them, they could choose between them in the middle of battle. Hmm. So suddenly your, your actual on-the-ground, out-of-vehicle combat was a lot more interesting. That's a nice... Uh, it's good that other games built on that. Yep. 
And it was also the first game to really make use of the different job classes. Hmm. I mean, as in individualizing them more. Um, like, um, Metal Saga PS2 had abilities, but first of all, they were slightly generic, and second of all, they actually cost money to use. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Passive abil- abilities cost money to use. Oh. oh. So, you had to, um, at some point, you had to start actively avoiding or running away from battles in low-level areas because you were not making enough cash off those battles to pay off the abilities that would activate as soon as the battle started. Yeah. So, Season of Steel avoided all that. Oh, and, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I technically I did give them both a 2.5 in reviews, mm-hmm. mainly because it's my disappointment score. <laughs> but I was disappointed for completely different reasons on those two. Put them together, you can make a five. Um, actually, that's about what I said at the end of the Metal Saga review. <laughs> if you took everything that the PS2 game did right and everything that the DS game did right and put them together, you'd have a really great game and it'd be called Metal Max 3. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Metal Max Collection, get on it. it. Yeah. Up next, we release a bundle of our worst podcasts, Q&A Quest Collection. Uh-huh. It'll mostly be the early ones. So We don't have any bad episodes, what are you talking about? We, I'm on all of them, I know we have bad episodes. <laughs> <laughs> You let me talk and pretend that there's a possibility of having good episodes. That's the problem. Touche. Hmm. Touche. <laughs> I have successfully argued the burn further into my flesh. Okay, well then. Okay, have you ever so disliked a game that you actually had to give it a burn or an insult in the review. Hmm. In the review. In the review or in commentary on it or something. Like I've, I've done situations where like I continued to play a game specifically so that I could better outline how I hated it. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I never stopped shutting up about how terrible Mugen Souls is. I feel like the ultimate burn is your refusal to be corrected on how it's pronounced. Yeah, I really don't don't care. (laughs) I I, I honestly don't care. I'm never going to bother correcting you on that pronunciation because I know it's only done out of sheer hatred. Yeah. I get, now I gotta figure out some ridiculous way to, so to uh, call the second one because hey, it was free and I downloaded it for some reason. I thought somebody randomly gave it to you. They tried. The, uh, <laughs> Mac attempted. He attempted. I forget what the actual game he was giving me to review was, but he just 
he just like slipped so he slipped like two PSN codes in the email so you know it was like oh this is gonna be like DLC or something or it may or it may have been some game that had like a PS3 and a Vita version I don't remember I just entered the code and went to click next and I was like um this is a code for Mugen Souls 2 uh no <laughs> Just no. Yeah, no. Please don't do this to me. <laughs> nice try. But yeah, I, I downloaded it because it was free on PS Plus, and I may, um, I may actually play some of it out of absolute morbid curiosity. But probably not. <laughs> but what I am playing now is the remake of Secret of Mana, and surprisingly no one had any questions about it. <laughs> and the one person that may have, Budai, did not because he was also playing it, as he mentioned to me when we were playing some Monster Hunter World. So, uh, Shall we talk about it anyway? Yes, we shall. Um, so I think the biggest surprise about about it for me was how... Um, slavishly, it is committed to reproducing the the exact combat mechanics of the original. Um, How exact are they, anyway? Because I've noticed on several enemies, including a few bosses, that the hit rates are not what they should be. Uh, as in, as in, like the dark priests in the Pandora ruins are insanely difficult to hit. So. Obviously not a hundred percent, and I think the reason for this is because the enemies can now, uh, enemies can now move in any direction. Like they can hit in any direction, which wasn't really the case in the original. So it's not the case. And, and I've also been noticing I've missing enemies a ton, which I could just be bad memory, but I don't remember missing like uh, a lot no, uh, as much in the original. Enemies. Um, Dark priests, the chess knights—they both have very high miss rates. Yeah. Uh, the wall, um, the wall face boss, has enough of a miss rate that I actually died because I had not, until this particular point, realized that it could actually push you into the spikes. Oh yeah. Uh, every time I played this on Super Nintendo, I just wailed on the center eye while ignoring the other two and just killed it that way. You can't do it that way this time because you need to take out those two extra eyes and then hit it with magic. You can hit it... Otherwise, you, you, you can, cannot damage the center eye fast enough. Uh, I was able to do that. I think I, really? leveled, I think I leveled up a little bit, but yeah, I I killed the center eye before... Um, hmm. before even killing uh, either of the uh, other ones. Weird. Okay, and for, well, for that matter, I never actually got a hit on Spring Beak. No, <laughs> no, not a single hit. Take him out with um, with gem missile the entire time. Um, but no, I tried every weapon I could, and I could not actually hit him. <laughs> it just gave me a little chink sound, and not even a miss sign. Interesting. Yeah, it was weird. But yeah, the dark priests in particular were really hard to actually connect. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember if I had the same trouble with those, but. Um... Yeah. I did notice that they updated the graphics, um, the graphical representation of several monsters, including the Dark Priests, and I'm not sure if I like some of the new versions. 
Yeah, not everything is great, but I think in general they did a good job of like pulling all those old sprites into 3D so that most things are pretty recognizable. However, I'm having to wonder if the reason they altered the Dark Priest sprite so much was because it looked too much like Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball. (laughs) Which, by extension, made it look uncomfortably close to a cartoonish blackface. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I could see that. Yeah. So, Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I like the little eggplant dudes quite a bit. I thought they were hilarious, but... At the same time, I could understand why it might be problematic to try and take that look and put it into a 3D model. Yeah, I'd actually completely forgotten how they looked in the original. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. That's so, what they yeah. want you to do. <laughs> but yeah, there are others. The The Turtle Knights now look a lot more rugged than I yeah. remember. Um, and I, I actually liked... Um, I was actually kind of disappointed that the the, the flower bu- enemies like lullabuds don't actually look like regular flowers when they're yeah. um, when they're being um, hiding in wait. Yeah, that so. is that was disappointing because those were those were pretty cool in the original game. Or by cool, mm-hmm. I mean annoying as you walk through flowers and get randomly attacked. But yeah, I mean if you if you just kept your eye on it, you realize that there was one that was out of place. Yeah. One thing I do wish they did was do some updates in the localization, or maybe this is just my preference, because some of the characters, I think, have terrible names, like uh, Dyluck. Um, I mean, that's that's the actual <laughs> way to render his name from Japanese katakana to English. It is Dyluck. Okay. It's, yeah. that's, it's okay, I guess. It just, I don't know, it always sounded weird to me. Uh, what was the blue-haired girl's name? The other um, Pamela or something. Okay, Some... still Pamela. Okay. Yeah, something like that. But they don't like it, they don't pronounce it Pamela. It's something like slightly off. Then that would be more of an issue with somebody in the voice acting cast not getting it. It could be. Yeah. If you've played enough Atelier games in English, you really get used to that. <laughs> And I, I could definitely see that because I think there's only a few, like one or two characters that actually say her name. So, yeah, it would make sense. Uh, in general, though, I'm enjoying like the that the your party actually has some sort of character, which was not the case in the original. Yeah, I've been enjoying the the tales style skits. Yeah, it's pretty fun, and I'm sure some hardcore fans are annoyed by it, but I mean, if you go back and look at the original, it was pretty goofy for the most part. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, wow, I mean, it was playing the original time, it was hard to remember sometimes that the main character was not a silent protagonist. Yeah. I, I actually completely forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of nice touches in there. There's some weird um, quality of life improvements I was hoping for but didn't get. Like, uh, buying equipment does not show you what equipment is better. There's no, like, easy buy this, equip that, and sell your old armor, that kind of thing I was hoping for, which would have been nice. I mean, mean, the easiest way to tell 
if it's worth it is it how, by how much it costs. Yeah, I mean that part isn't too too bad, and you know you can just sell what your characters currently have equipped and just go and equip the new stuff. So it's really not that bad. It's just kind of a minor. You know, I wish they had maybe re-examined some of these things just to to make it a little better. But I mean, on the whole, I think the quality of the original game still shows through, and this it's a nice it's a nice way for people who never played the original to to give it a shot. And I hope they do, because I would like to get more mana games. And as always, um, that is anything but a certainty. I was going to say, my number one uh, peeve right now with the game has nothing to do with the actual game, but it has to do with the fact that my Vita occasionally gets sticky on the um, on the controls and decides to constantly go right <laughs> with, with the control stuff. It's, I mean, that was that was livable whenever it happened with Yushishisu or um, Scarlet Grace. It's not so good with the ring menu system on this mm, game. Yeah. I can see that being an issue. Oh, let me go select some magic and suddenly the ring is spinning around nonstop. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you can't even select anything unless it's completely stopped. Yeah. So while it looks like you're playing the worst re reinvention of the Unlimited Saga roulette wheel ever. It's worse. <laughs> it? Oh, what else was I going to say? The the bosses do seem... A l <laughs> I was going to say, the bosses... What's that? My game just crashed. Oh. Well, that's not good. I was walking into the ice palace and it crashed. Well, as long as the autosave uh, operated correctly, it should have saved shortly before that. That's what happened yeah. when I got a crash. Anyway, I got freaked out, but then there was like just a save. There's a save right before uh, whatever area I just walked into. <coughs> I am waiting to see if it really makes a difference if you go to the ice country before the desert. Ah. Uh. Because I don't remember there actually being a choice in the matter in the first game. There, or there probably was, but I don't remember actually ever taking it. I think it lets you go there first. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if anything useful actually happens if you do that. But I think it does let you do that. Okay, well, let me reboot this thing so I can... <laughs> um, because I just loaded the wrong save and it put me back in Matango. Ah. I was gonna say, Oops. I I was gonna say I do feel like the the bosses seem a little easier than the original game, but um, not not it, not that it's really bothered me or anything. You know, I've been having a really good time going through the game, and I just got flamey, so that's always yeah, fun. Let me. Uh, do this and hope I did not just lose an hour's progress in two bosses. Yeah, that would stink. Yes, it would. Uh, but any other thoughts, questions, comments on Secret of Mana Remake? Please give us three in some capacity, Square Enix, please. The back of you. 
that nice little Switch collection. I even bought the Japanese version. Wouldn't it be Secret of Mana 2? <laughs> whatever. Oh, they, can call, they can call it whatever, I don't care. Oh, crap. That sounds bad. Oh, this doesn't sound good. Walking out the door of the inn in Matanga was enough to trigger a an autosave. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. That's, oh. that's an hour or so of progress down the drain. Oh. I should have saved Odo Village. I should have saved right there, but no, I didn't. No. I'm reminded of uh, recently my 3DS uh, shut down. And I lost like three hours of progress in Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse, including oh. a long session, including actually, a long session of fusing a ton of demons. Actually, I'm trying to remember if I actually saved after beating the snake. Okay, that's three bosses I may have lost. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh well. I will go back a different day and do it. I've got a lot of extra time this week. <laughs> So yes, a fine remake that may crash on you every now and then. Yeah. The tragedies that we that we live with in this hobby. <laughs> yes. To be fair, occasionally bugging out to hell is just them maintaining the original Seiken Densetsu 2 experience. Yeah, if they ever did a proper remake of 6, I would expect it to be still as buggy as I'll get out. <laughs> For that matter, it if and when I get back to Romancing Saga 2, I am planning on trying to see if I can do the um, the lich bug that completely destroys the game. <laughs> I still kind of love that the... that like I loved looking up what... like Secret of Mana has some bug fixes, apparently, from Seiken Densetsu 2, and looking at like the amount of bugs that they like just sort of put in... put notices, like, please don't do this when the when you, like, kill a boss, don't do this, please. <laughs> Notices that they apparently put out were pretty good. The answer, if you're doing anything after killing a boss before the game finishes, uh, like, loading up certain things, it'll it'll just die. <laughs> up to and including leveling up. Oh. Oh. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Poor Secret of Mana remake obviously did not have a massive budget it was probably originally basically just something they were making for cell phones yeah adventures of mana assets and that's a nice and speaking of that that's a nice little remake of adventure of mana because the other uh remake of it of adventure of mana i really don't like there's like three remakes of that by now adventure of that you mean final fantasy adventure they condensed that yeah. to one yeah yeah, I played. I like, there's probably a cell phone one at some point. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. I reviewed the cell phone one, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Okay, my memory isn't failing me then. So yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. three different remakes of. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to be replaying Sword of Mana at some time just for the hell of it. Mm. I'd be interested to see how you end up feeling about that. More charitably towards it than Children of Mana. Uh, with, uh, with the with difficult to use delayed action magic system 
I was actually going to track down a copy of Children of Mana, also out of oh, morbid would, would curiosity. Like it cost me about $4 to mail to you. I would just be willing to do it. I've got your address. Is it the English version or the Japanese it's just version? the English version, bought in America because I mistook it for Heroes because I hadn't played Heroes before and I was curious. How do you feel about it, Mana? Sure, yeah. why not? I'll, I'll, I'll find some Vita game and I'll trade you. How about that? Sure. Okay. Right. I, I'll, I feel I'll it time this week. <laughs> I feel it important that Wheels has to give status updates on how he ends up feeling about Children of Mana. Probably yeah. not Probably not very nice. I'm just saying if you're taking it, you have to give oh, updates. Yeah. Oh no, it's going to happen. So, I mean, apparent. I just found out that the... Well, first of all, that I was wondering what in the world the Benevodons were supposed to be and as it turns out, they're the God Beasts from Seiken Densetsu 3. I could not even tell that from the tiny little pictures that you could, like a, a window in time that you could see them through. <laughs> and apparently you can actually talk to them and trigger a secret dungeon. So I'm going to try and do that first and then mail it to you. Okay. Oh, man, uh... You went so very, very wrong. I'll tell you one mana game I will not be replaying, and that is the game I refuse to recognize as the fourth main entry in the series. Every time mono discussion comes up, like there's some sort of like wailing and gnashing of teeth about Dawn. Yeah. I don't blame you. I'm just saying that it's it's like clockwork. It's like how there will always be Metal Max discussion if we're put in a room together. It's true. <laughs> uh, Alright, well, anyway, let's let's wrap this up. Uh, now the wheels is completely deflated. <laughs> flat wheels. Yes. Fl- flat tires. Alright. Alright, let's end this episode so I can call AAA. So, um... No, nothing? Not even a chuckle? Yeah, we're, no, no, I refuse. I'm not even giving you a pity chuckle there. Okay. Uh, <coughs> so you can send us questions in the usual way on the forums, on the Twitters. Um, well, I forgot to plug my book again. Do oh, it. yes. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, so I was going to do this before the Mana Talk started to make sure that everybody was actually paying attention. But now the captive audience has already turned off the podcast because we're finished with that. Um, yes, I have my own little fantasy series available on Amazon called Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. It's under the name Michael Yarimizu because my own name is just too difficult to Google properly. Yeah. 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 It's a more distinctive pen name. Hmm? Oh, yes. It's a more distinctive pen name. My, my wife's family gave me permission to use their name. So they thought it was cool. Well, nice. that proves that you're uh, welcome when your wife's family. That's heartwarming. That's very nice to hear, to know, yes. So anyway, yes, it's available on Amazon. Check it out, please. Okay? It's cute, I guess. That's a good way to say it. It's only like 12 bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, which... I don't, what is the co- the regular price for a large paperback novel in America these days? Because it's been over a decade for me. Probably about twelve bucks. Yeah, that's I was about told, it. I was told it was pretty close to the standard price. Yeah, I remember when six or seven bucks was the norm. So, inflation makes fools of us all. 
Yeah. But there's our mo- there's what I would consider our most important plug. Someone yes. actually making something <laughs> rather than rambling on social media. Hey, we've we've made something. It's this wonderful podcast. I will not I will not call anything wonderful that would accept me as a member. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've made it to um, 63 episodes. Wow, uh, my internet died and conflated many things into one horrible robot fart noise there. So. Sweet, sweet. And on that note... I didn't hear a thing. <laughs> and on that note... Good, it wasn't picked up on the recording. We will, we will see you all next time. Okay. Bye.